sir, we would like to see Jesus. <clears throat> Anytime I read this passage of the gospel, it brings about or oh, it enkindles very deep emotions in me. Because as you know, my entire life as a bishop is built around this passage. Summarized by the request of the Greeks, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. You know that my motto, that is guiding principle, as a bishop is stated in Latin, volumus Jesum videre. We want to see Jesus. And you know also that I have explained it is not just a desire, but a project with very many sides. Not just my project, but our project as a diocese. And around that theme and project, you will find a short but sincere reflection that I made in the year 2014 and the pastoral letter bearing the same title, We Want to See Jesus. There are many things that can be said about this passage, but I have just to limit myself to a few points. The first is that we do not know who these Greeks were and why they wanted to see Jesus. We are just told some Greeks. But those Greeks came for the worship in the temple for the Passover feast because the Passover was drawing close. If these Greeks wanted to see Jesus before the Passover, they must have had very serious reasons, which we don't know whether they were personal to them or whether those reasons concerned Jesus himself and his safety. But what is interesting to me today 
as in many other instances in the gospel, is that these Greeks have no names. Therefore, I always invite you in such situations to write your name in place of those Greeks. And if you write your name there, it becomes Godfrey went to Philip and said, I want to see Jesus. But then, notice that they were in plural, not just one person. Our salvation, yes, is personal, but we don't pursue our salvation without reference to other persons. Any of us, and all of us, should place himself, or herself, or ourselves in the position of these Greeks desiring to see Jesus. There is something inside us that makes us always wanting to encounter God, to encounter goodness, to encounter light, to encounter love. Jesus is God. Jesus is good. Jesus is life. Jesus is truth. Jesus is love. The, it is natural to us, just as we desire to breathe air and to eat some food for our nourishment and sustenance, so also it is desirable for us, natural for us to desire always to be in a relationship or an encounter, in an encounter with God. Every human being, even when we don't know how to express it, is searching for this encounter with God. Because it is the only thing that fills our appetite. It is the only thing that really satisfies. We want to see Jesus. Because there is something we want to tell him. And there is also something we need from him to take away from him. We want to present ourselves to him. And we want him to bless us and to direct our steps. Very often, many people don't know how to express this request. And you need to be attentive to what is happening in their lives or even to the way they present themselves at that moment to realize they are really hungering for an encounter to see Jesus. Yes, People come to the successors of the apostles, the bishops, 
and their immediate collaborators, the priests, directly. These people may not even be Christians or Catholics, just as these Greeks were not Jews. They came to the apostles and they wanted to see Jesus. They were able to express their need clearly. But sometimes when people come to priests, they may not be able to express their need. And it is here that there is a challenge for the priests or the bishop to know what the people are looking for. A person may come and you think he's just looking for a solution to an, uh, to an immediate material or social problem. He may be bereaved. My father has just died. My wife has just died. My husband, my mother, my brother, my sister has died. And he comes to the priest or even to other Christians, to the Christian community represented by Philip. When people come to us with their sorrows, with their worries and preoccupations, they may begin with an attitude of fight and quarrel. They may begin with an attitude of complaint. But what they really want to say is, we want to see Jesus. But you know what happens in our church often? Not always, but often. A person who is in need, like the bereaved, comes to the Christian community and says, we want to see Jesus, or I want to see Jesus. As a human society, it feels so natural to do that. Because we must have principles and regulations that will help us to survive as an institution. But I'm saying that we have to listen first to the real need of the person who has come to us. Often when people come complaining even about their wives and husbands, joblessness or government, what they may be saying is, I need Jesus. Please let somebody take me to him for healing, for direction, for light. We have to pray about this. Because otherwise, our church may become a well-organized social institution, but no longer the body of Christ. And here also, I ask for your prayers in a special way. For me as your bishop, who has built his entire pastoral life as bishop around this principle or this request, for all bishops and priests, that we may realize that our 
primary responsibility when people come to us as they came to Philip is to first listen. And when we listen to try guided by the light of Christ to understand. In such a way, we shift attention from all these stupid, wasteful, pagan practices in the name of funerals and shift the attention from them to Christ himself, whom the dead must encounter for judgment and for mercy. Even you in your family, your wife, your husband, always violent, always disrespectful. There is a book written by a psychotherapist and neurologist in the 80s. The title is The Unheard Cry for Meaning. This author believes that Every human being is searching for the meaning of his life or her life. And sometimes we are all crying for meaning, but that cry is not heard. And the action of many people is just an expression of their desire to find meaning in their lives. And from there I move to affirm that many actions Signs of frustration, anger, and discouragement in the lives of people may be just unheard cry for Jesus. That person you are fighting may be in dire need of an encounter with the saving grace of Christ. And rather than leading him to Christ, you chase him away by your response and your reaction. When next your husband, your wife, your child, your friend upsets you terribly, hear him say, I want to see Jesus. I said we don't know why those people wanted to see Jesus. But most certainly they had some need either for themselves or for life of Christ. And all of us have needs. When this was expressed to Christ, when the message was taken to him, he said, Now the hour has come. At the beginning of the Gospel of John, 
When Mary asked Jesus for a miracle, he said, My hour has not yet come. And very many times when they wanted to arrest him, they couldn't because his hour had not yet come. This time, Jesus himself says, Now has the hour come. We need to know that there are moments when God presents occasions for us that are not repeated. And I want to say that in the situation of the world today and especially in Nigeria, our country is crying. Our country is shouting in pain. And what Nigeria is telling every Christian today is, we want to see Jesus. We are in darkness. Everybody is confused. We are proposing answers that will multiply our problems. Change of governance without change of attitude does not change anything in any country. Americans thought their problem would be solved once they changed their president. It doesn't happen that way. Nigerians thought in 2015 their problems will be solved once they change their president and governors. It does not happen that way. Our country is in dire need of an encounter, a transforming encounter with Christ. And they have come to us, Christians, asking us, we want to see Jesus. In the first place, as baptized persons, we are supposed to reflect Jesus to them. So that we attract them to ourselves. But like John the Baptist and like Philip, we must realize we are not substitutes for Christ. It is true that our actions should be such that when people encounter us, you remember that story, they will ask us, are you Jesus? The story is told of Mother Teresa of Calcutta. She would always be good to the poor, wash them up, clothe them, and feed them. At some point, he would, she would ask them whether they would like to be told about Jesus Christ. Always free, no compulsion. Because it is important when we Christians are being good to others, it is important that we explain to them the principle, the reason behind our goodness, which is the saving death of Christ on the cross. So Mother Teresa of Calcutta said, do you want to, me to tell you about Jesus Christ? And they asked him, they asked her, who is that person? He's a very good man and the son of God. And they said, is he as good as you are? And Mother Teresa replied, 
I am not even good. It is he I'm trying to imitate to see if I can be good enough. And I will say, is there any person better than you? Tell us about him. Let us hear. If your life is so repulsive and you want to show other people Christ, they will say, if what you want to show us will make us behave like you, please, we don't want to know anything about that. Another story is told of Mahatma Gandhi, the founder of modern India or Indian democracy. He grew up in South Africa during the apartheid regime. And you know that during the apartheid, blacks and whites did not mix. And the Indians were neither considered black nor white. But they were not permitted to enjoy the same status as the white people. Andy, a Hindu living in South Africa, on his own, read the Bible and read the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' teaching. And after reading it, he went to the to a church. He wanted to go to a church because he wanted somebody to explain to him the Sermon on the Mount because he was confused. If human beings could live according to these principles, there would be love and peace in the world. That time in South Africa, even in their churches, black, Indian, and white were separated. And in some churches, they had to wear different aprons to enter the church. Blacks would wear a type of apron. Indians, another type. And of course, the whites entered the way they wanted. So Mahatma Gandhi came to a church and said that he wanted to be taught about the Sermon on the Mount. The person, the usher, showed him where he should go to dress like an Indian first before he could enter the church. He turned back, went away, and never became a Christian. And he kept saying until he died, I love Jesus, but I dislike Christians. I dislike Christians because they are not like Jesus. This man wanted to see Jesus and Christians ushered him into the dressing room of Satan. The dressing room of hatred and division. And that is what we often do in our practical lives. People come to us wanting and expecting to be led to Jesus and our reaction turns them away. This is a moment of self-examination for all of us as individuals and as church. Do we lead people to see Jesus? Or do we scare people away from Jesus? Or do we even substitute Jesus 
I'll give you another example that is common in the Catholic Church today. Any Christian who is entering a church for adoration of the Blessed Sacrament is going there to encounter Jesus Christ really and truly present in the Eucharist. But many times, Christians enter to adore Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament and some priests, some Catholic reverend fathers, and some laymen stop them from seeing Jesus. They place themselves in place of Jesus. They substitute Jesus, making noise, shouting all forms of abracadabra, as if you were the person they came to adore. I bear my adoration on Jesus Christ, not Father Honor, not Bishop Honor. The people want to see Jesus, not you, Father. Not you, charismatic. Because sometimes the gift in you is from Satan. Because it is the gift of disobedience and self-affirmation. Please, get out of the way. Keep quiet so that the people will encounter the Lord and adore him. When the Magi depicted on our window on the left, when they went to adore Jesus, what did Mary and Joseph say? Nothing. Read your Bible. Nothing. Mary treasured all these things in her heart. And priests sometimes and so-called gifted men of God think that without their babbling, Jesus can't walk in the life of people. Get out of the way if you can't lead me to Christ. Men chogda. Of course. You can gradually, through some explanation, through some direction, lead a person who came for such an encounter to focus on Jesus. That is why we say some prayers. That is why we read from the word of God. That is why there is a short explanation of that word of God. So as to lead the person by the hand to see Jesus. Now I think our situation in Nigeria today has passed the level of we would like to see. We need to see Jesus. That is the only way we can start walking back from the path of destruction on which we have all 
stepped. The confusion in Nigeria now is an unheard cry for Jesus Christ. And the church in Nigeria must hear that cry loud and clear and lead back the people of God to encounter Jesus and show the rest of Nigerians the way to Jesus Christ. We need to see Jesus. And the hour has come. There is no more time for postponement. This is the time. Because that is the only time we will realize that what will save this country is that type of imitation of Christ where all of us will accept to die like seed so that a new Nigeria will be born. We must die to our selfishness. All this accumulation of wealth and power must die. So that we must look up to he who has been lifted up on the cross, totally sacrificing himself for us. He will draw us up as new creation. And our country and all of us will live again. We need to see Jesus. My dear brothers and sisters, please let us hear this cry and throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus and take all those whom we encounter in our lives by the hand and lead them to a transforming encounter with Jesus Christ.